Go ahead and open up to Colossians. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. What is it that creates unity? What is it that is the, the bond of unity? It's love. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to god whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you once again for your word. Lord, thank you for the promises of, of who we have, the revelation of who we are. We are forgiven. And no one can bring a charge against those that you have forgiven. There is no condemnation. There is no charge that can be brought in the court of heaven. It's not even allowed it's not even allowed there because of what you, our Lord, have done for us in being condemned in our place. In our place, condemned he stood, sealed our pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand more clearly the passages here and whatever else we may look at this evening. Pray that you would get glory for yourself. Lord, pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word. Help us to see Christ. Help us to, to see the truths that are here and to rightly understand them. And most of all, change us, Lord. Help us to conform to this word, Lord always being transformed by renewing our minds so that we may do, so that we may work the works that you have, so we may speak truth in love. I just pray that you would give much grace. In Christ's name, amen. I had to pick something for the title And so I, I went with verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
It's probably not. I, I really don't think it is the peace that may first come to your mind, which would be peace between us and God. I don't think that's what he has in mind here at all. Everything here is one another. Everything here that I read and more put on heart of compassion, verse 12, as holy and beloved, put on heart of compassion. Is that for us to be compassionate towards God? Is that for us to be kind towards God? No, it's towards one another. Humility, be humble with one another, be gentle with one another, be patient with one another, bearing with one another. Forgiving each other. That's what he's dealing with here. And in this, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Back in, I think John was the one that read it in chapter 1. Turn back to chapter 1. Um, I'm going to make another plug for it here because I think it will open up Scripture to, for you in a way that maybe it has not opened up for you. Follow the pronouns. Pay attention. Who is we? Who is us? Who is you? Who? Pretty easy to see who the eyes are. But I believe that Paul begins the letter here with, with the us, with the we. Um, those that have, have heard. And then he goes into the, into the yous, talking about who you are. Well, who are the you? that he talks about here. Look at verse um, well let's just begin in 19. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him, through Christ, to reconcile all things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. So he is exalting Christ here. In, beginning in verse 13, he just begins just lifting up Christ and that we have redemption through him and that he created everything and all things hold together in him and he is the head of the body, the church, that he would have at first place in everything and it's the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, for deity to dwell in him. Verse 20, and through him, through Christ, to reconcile all things to himself, to God, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, not just those that are alive here, but also those that are with him already, things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Now, who is this you? Who is the you here? Well, I think we'll see it's Gentiles. 
He's talking to Gentiles, not, not those that, um, that believed and heard at the first, but the Gentiles, the Gentiles are the ones that were alienated and hostile. The very parallel passage in, in Ephesians to where he, he goes actually into more detail than this. Engage in evil deeds. Verse 22, yet he has now reconciled you, Gentiles, in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. You may think, well, isn't the you the, the Colossians? Yeah, it is. They were a Gentile church. They were mostly Gentiles, and that's the point that he's driving home here. It's not, they weren't alienated because they were Colossians. They were alienated because they were Gentiles. Wasn't the same thing true about the Jews? Weren't they alienated also? Yes, those that didn't believe, but the, the specific things that he describes and the way he describes, and he's going to go on to say exactly and, and point them out exactly in verse 27. He's working towards it. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith. So, so he's reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven of which I, Paul was made a minister. And now he gets into the eyes talking about himself and his apostleship. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. What's he talking about? What preaching of the word of God? The gospel? Well, that is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery that existed but has been revealed. Gentiles are sons of Abraham. They're counted as Abraham's descendants. I honestly wanted to read about three chapters tonight, but we're not going to. He goes on to warn them about um, being led away and deluded by persuasive arguments. Part of those had to do with arguments related to who they were as Gentiles by the so-called circumcision. But he tells them, look, you're not lacking in anything. Verse 11, 211, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, he's talking about Christ's death 
when Christ died in the flesh, when he put off the flesh, we were circumcised with him, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through the faith, working through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, there's the Gentiles, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Paul just joins right in with identifying himself with the believing Gentiles and what he's done for us, having canceled out the certificate of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way. That Jew-Gentile distinction, the things that were there that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. Mark, why are you going into all this? I thought we were talking about the peace of Christ. We are, and that's what I'm talking about. The thing that separated the Jews and the Gentiles has been removed in Christ. Because if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. No longer of this world. No longer a child of Adam, but a child of the second Adam now. We're sons of the second Adam. We're sons of Christ, Romans 5. We're a new race. We're a new manhood, a new humanity in Christ. That's the key in Christ. This is where this, this, um, this peace that he's talking about, that verse th chapter 3, verse 1, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ is our life. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also, Gentiles, that are believing in him, Gentiles that are in Christ, then you also will be revealed. The net, net says, New, New English translation says, you will be revealed in glory with him. And that's the idea that it's conveying. It's not we will be revealed with him up in glory, up in heaven. It's that you Gentiles who are in Christ, when Christ is revealed at his revelation, when he comes back and he puts himself on display for the whole world to see, and he casts the lost into the lake of fire, and he sets up the new heavens and the new earth. When he is revealed, we also will be revealed in glory. In other words, our glory will be revealed when he is revealed. Who we are, who we really are in Christ will be put on full display when Christ is put on full display. And he says to verse 8, you also put them all aside. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 5. Um, Therefore, put to death 
the members of your body. Consider is not a strong enough word. It's not a clear enough word. Maybe subdue your members, the members of your earthly bodies. It's, it's literally put to death, mortify the members of your earthly body. Uh, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. It's because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. In them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abuse of speech when your mouth. All these are relational. There's these gross sins. Put, kill those, put them to death. And there's also, it's, it's, it's the idea of getting undressed, putting them off, taking off the old clothes. Put them aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, getting dressed, dressed ourself. There's some commentaries that, that believe that this is literally talking about a practice of the early church. I don't, I'm not persuaded, but the early, early church had a practice of they would get baptized and they would take off their old dirty clothes, get baptized, and they would put on a new set of clothes. Oftentimes they would be white. Some believe he's referring to this back in chapter 2, 12, talking about um, being baptized with him, buried with him, but I believe he's talking about his death there, not water baptism, but in the circumcision of Christ, in his death, his burial, his resurrection, in our place, so that what he accomplished, he accomplished for us. These are relational. These sins here relational he says 10 put on the new self who is being renewed in a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him a renewal in which what there is no Gentile no Greek no Jew there isn't any circumcised or uncircumcised there isn't barbarian Scythian slave or free man but Christ is all and in all. This is our identity. This is what's happened. He's taken all these distinctions, racial distinctions, economic distinctions, geographic distinctions, ethnicities, education, all the things that separate men in this life, in this earth, they've all been removed in Christ. Here Christ is all. He's the only thing that there is. What does that mean? Christ is all and in all. He is all. He is our whole identity. What are we called? What are we called? What are we called? What do we call each other? What do we refer to each other as? We are what? Christians. We're little Christ's. That's what that word is getting at. We're Christians. Our very identity is not American. Oh, we are Americans. We should be 
We should be top-notch citizens, not because they're of the glory of America, but because Christ is worthy and we are to obey him in all that we do. And so we should be doing good to those around us. When Israel went into captivity in Babylon, they were supposed to do good. They were supposed to prosper and prosper the nation because as the nation prospered, they would prosper. Christ is all. He is our sole identity so that in him is Christ is everything. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on the heart of compassion. Again, these are relational matters. This is what we are to do with one another. 13, bearing with one another. I've talked about this before. Why are these things here? Why are we instructed to be compassionate? Well, we're going to be tempted to not be compassionate with people, sometimes out of our own selfishness. I just don't have time for this right now. Sometimes because the other person is a really difficult person to be compassionate towards. Kindness. We need to be kind to one another. Yes, sometimes the issue is with ourselves that we just don't want to, but oftentimes it's with the other person. Because of how they're treating us, it's hard to be kind to them. Humility. It's hard to humble yourself when someone is being proud. Gentleness. It's hard to be gentle with someone, to treat someone in a less severe way than they may, than their actions may warrant, may be asking for. Patience pretty obvious we can try each other's patience so we have to be bearing with one another and forgiving each other do you have trouble forgiving other people you know what the remedy for that is do you know what can humble you in a moment if you're having trouble forgiving someone, how much has God forgiven you? How much has the Lord forgiven you? Forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Remember in 1 Corinthians where there, he was talking to him about lawsuits? What did he say? What's better than taking a brother to, and suing him to demand justice and get what's right? What's better than that? It's better to be wronged. It's better to suffer wrong than to drag the name of Christ into court. It's better to let someone mistreat you, a believer, a fellow believer, than demand what is right and to demand that things be set right that's how the Lord has forgiven us 
When we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrated his love towards us. When we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. The just for the unjust. This is how we are to treat each other. Not holding grudges, not being discontent, but forgiving each other. How does that coincide with Matthew 18? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Well, that would take a lot of looking into. But if your brother sins against you and you're going to him in anger to tell him his fault, then keep your mouth shut and keep it to yourself until you humble yourself and you can go to him in gentleness and in patience trying to show him the error of his way for his good and for the good of the church, for the good of the body, so that it doesn't spread. It's not about you getting vengeance and I'm going to go set him right. I'm going to go tell him and if he doesn't listen, I'm going to take someone with me and we're going to set him. No, that's not the attitude that's going on there. The attitude is to win your brother. The, the attitude there is for the other person. And he's, he's not talking about here about that type of sin. Someone has a complaint against you. Don't like the way you did that. Forgive one another just as the Lord in the same way. That's what just as here means. In the same way, just as, in the same manner, to the same degree, to the same extent that the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all of these things that he's talked about, put on love, get dressed in love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Love only does good. Love doesn't harm. How do we maintain unity in this church? I don't know if anyone else notices it. I believe we're entering into a period of trials. Just see little, little shades of it here and there. Don't know to what extent it may be. Maybe it's already run its course and coming over. I, I hope so. But are you ready for it? We will face trials. This church will be tested, just like it has been tested multiple times in the past, sometimes from the outside, sometimes from the inside. It is guaranteed we will be tried, just like in 1 Corinthians If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work. Remember, this is talking about the church. The work is the church. 
Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed. It's going to be manifested with fire. When everything is going great and everyone's getting along with everyone and everything is hunky-dory and man, it's just a great time and fellowships are great and everything's great, the singing's great, preach, everything's great. It is not being revealed who we are. It is being revealed who we are when fire comes, when testing comes, when trial comes. That's going to reveal the stuff that we're made of. Each man's work, the laborers, those building the church, the apostle, their work, the church, it will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. It will show the stuff the church is made of. And you know what? How will we get rid of jealousy that exists when we can't see it? Jealousy brings it to the surface. It reveals the trials, reveal the jealousy. It reveals the, the lack of love. It reveals the selfishness. It reveals, it reveals a tendency to get angry. It reveals abusive speech and slander. It reveal, reveals all of these things. But love covers a multitude of sins. So beyond all of these things he said, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. We need this. We need this. Don't, don't grow comfortable Fifteen, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. That's one of the big reasons right there why I'm, I'm, I'm just convinced this peace of Christ that he's talking about. Let the peace of Christ in the church, let it rule in the church. Let it, rev let it rule in the body. The peace of Christ, that peace that the same thing that prompted him to, to die for us, to forgive us. Oh, it is a gospel peace. But let the peace of Christ rule. Remember what, what God told uh, Cain? Sin's desire is for you. You better rule it. He told Eve, your desire is going to be for the place of your husband, for, the, for the, the place, the rule of your husband, but you better rule over it. Let the peace of Christ rule. We so need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We need to be reminded of not only the forgiveness that came to us when we believed, but the forgiveness that comes to us every day as we sin against him every day. So how many times? 
Should we forgive each other if necessary? 70 times 7, complete forgiveness. Christ has forgiven every sin that we will ever commit in our life. We tend to think now, right in front of us, or maybe if we're giving thanks, we look behind us at the sins that he forgave when we were lost and we were you know, children, acting out as children of wrath, and we walked in, in these sins like the, like the unbelievers, like the disobedient do. But the forgiveness that we see, receive, the peace that we have with God, the vertical peace that we have, He covered every sin that we will ever do. If you live to be a believer for 75 years, how many sins do you think you're going to commit? And forgiven. He keeps forgiving. That's how we are to be with each other. Let the peace of Christ, this peace between brothers, between sisters, between churchmen, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. That's it. In this body that he's referring to, the church, and be thankful. You know, one thing that will help if we really are entering into a time of, of trial, start giving thanks. Thanks. What's bothering you? Is something bothering you about the church? Something not going on in the church that you think needs to be going on? Start giving thanks for the church. Maybe there are things happening that you think shouldn't be happening. Start giving thanks for the church. Surely we can find a host of things to be thankful for in the church and what the Lord has done here and is doing here. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's our motivation to sing like like there's no one else around. singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, what's been the context so far? The body, one another, how we treat one another. Whatever you do in word or deed, how often do we take this and and make it about me and what I do at my job or what I do with my kids or some other place. What's the context? It, it's the body. It's in Christ. It's those that are part of the body. It's those that are bearing with one another. Those that are the chosen of God, the beloved, in our actions with each other, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Another giving thanks. That's three giving thanks in a row here giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
giving thanks through Christ to God the Father. And he goes on and breaks it down into family situations, home situations, and then outsider situations into chapter 4. You know what tops all of this off? This forgiveness, this stressing the forgiveness, being patient with one another, how we're treating one another. You know one of the primary reasons that Colossians was written? Chapter 4, where am I looking for here? Oh, yeah. So he talks about having sent Tychicus, um, verse 8, 4, 8. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. Who's Onesimus? Jim, I know you know this. He was a runaway slave. Colossians was probably written because Paul took it as an opportunity because he's sending Onesimus back to them to be received by them as what? He says it. He's one of you. He's a runaway slave, been converted, gets right, and says, I need to go back. Maybe Paul told him, you need to go back. But he agreed to it one way or the other. And he's going back to his master. Philemon. This is part of the reason this book was written, and this is one of the things that are, that are on his mind, is Onesimus being received back, a runaway slave, faithful and beloved brother who's one of you. He's going to go back and he's going to need forgiveness. Epaphras, I'm sorry, Epaphras, also one of you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Preach the gospel to yourself. When you have marital problems, remember who you are. Remember the forgiveness that you have. When you have problems with your children, with your parents, remember who you are. And remember who Christ is and his forgiveness for you. When we have problems with one another, when, when um, complaints arise between forgive just as the Lord forgave. Whenever things happen that rub you the wrong way, Preach the gospel to yourself. Remember who you are apart from Christ and who you are because of Christ. Remember what he's done. Remember how you've sinned against him today. 
probably leading up to the argument, the disagreement, the problem, the trouble, whatever it is. Let me see if I can find a verse real quick. I'm going to find it quick enough for me. That's all right. What are we slaves of? Righteousness. righteousness. Slaves of righteousness. We're slaves to do what is right. Even slaves of righteousness can rebel. We do rebel. But our master doesn't change. He doesn't give us up. He won't sell us and he won't let us be stolen away. We're his. And the sooner that we get ourselves back in line with him, the better off we are, better off other people are, better off the church is, better off everyone is. heard about keeping short accounts with God keep short accounts with each other because it's impossible to keep a short account with God if we're not keeping short accounts with each other I don't really know why the Lord led me to, to look at this today I, I, I do you know I'm, I'm not a prophet I do seem like we're entering into a time of trials. I've been wondering for a while when it was going to happen because we have had things so easy for a while. Um, so pray for your elders. I'm not, there's nothing that I know of but in the eldership. But if we're entering into trials, we're going to feel it. And we're going to pray for, for y'all and for each other. Put on love. Put on love. How do we do that? Treat each other the way you want to be treated. That's it. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. And you will keep all the righteousness in Scripture. All of it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you once again for your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would use just the multitude of verses I read. Lord, just the my rambling thoughts. Lord, I pray that, that something would land we need you every day. Need to be reminded of your forgiveness every day. Need to confess our sins, agree with you, I've sinned every day. 
confessing our sins to one another when we sin against one another, confessing our sins to you when we sin against you, believing the gospel. You have the right to forgive us because Christ bore your wrath in his body on the tree as he bore our sins. So thank you for the gospel, Lord. Help us to live there. Help the words of Christ to dwell in us, abide in us. Help us to abide in him. Remain in his teaching. Follow him just as he asked us to, commanded us to. And I thank you that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and his commandments are not a burden. They relieve burdens. They lift burdens. Make us more like Christ, I pray, for his sake. Amen. We're dismissed.